Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I want to take some time uh, this morning to, on Father's Day to honor my dad. I'm so grateful. He is the best dad any guy could have. I love him so much. He's, uh, he's been such an inspiration to me and my three sisters. And uh, he, was, he was really the, the person who instilled faith into me. He's a man of faith. He's a man of prayer. I would see him uh, late at night sitting down at the kitchen table in front of his Bible reading, like just being in connection with his father. He would, he would grab a deck of cards and he would be playing solitaire, but, but that was just to kind of keep his hands busy because he was really praying, like that was his, his prayer time. That's really where I learned, you know, what it meant to, to pray in the spirit because I would hear my dad, you know, praying and just just. Uh, like crying out, pouring out his heart to, to his father, having that connection, having that relationship, praying in tongues. And, and it wasn't that, that he had to sit me down and teach me how to do these things. No, he just modeled what that was for me. And so I saw that and I'm so grateful for him. So dad, I love you. Thank you so much for being the man that you are and teaching me to be the man that I am. <laughs> Amazing dad. And uh, he, and my, he and my sister Tara, they actually just uh, released a book. It's called The Bone of Elisha. So it's the story of um, the Moabite raider who was tossed onto the bones of Elisha and came back to life. You know, so it's what happened to him, a fictional account, but based on biblical, the biblical story of Elisha. And then it's also got a, a modern-day parallel, like somebody who discovered this bone that had been lost for generations and, uh, and how it, it impacts and changes their life. So it's the bone of Elisha, Richard Thomas Hunley, and my sister Tara Rosinski. If, you, if you're interested, you can find that on uh, Kindle. So uh, you're welcome, Dad and Tara. Hope you get lots of sales. <laughs> but it's a good story. I got to, I got to pre-read it. It's really, it's really entertaining. But uh, this is Father's Day, and I actually wanted to, to talk today about one of, I, I think, the most important things in our culture today that, that is going more and more unnoticed. And it's the importance of my father's house. The title of this message is My Father's House. And uh, as I was thinking about this and preparing for this message, and even in, in, in the first service, I just was, was struck with this realization um, that, that it is our Father. You know, God teaches us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. But each and every one of us, we have to have this personal revelation, this personal realization that it's not just our Father, it's my Father. And this is my Father's house. I want to I want to give a shout out to the excellence team. I did this in the first service, but it's it's worth repeating. Um, we have a we have a team that's dedicated to the to excellence of this house. You know, and every team we believe like brings excellence and in, in, and comes in excellence. But the stand up stand and lady Baker, they were awesome. They they were with us. They were roller skating in our lip sync battle. Did a fantastic job tossing out bazooka gum to the team on skates, doing spins like that's stuff that I wouldn't even want to try to do, but. But they make it look easy. And uh, something else that they may look, make look easy is bringing excellence. Excellence in everything that they do, all the teams, the ushers, security, excellence team, parking, 
The list just goes on and on. Stan is the facilities manager for all of Awakened Churches, doing a fantastic job. Elena just graduated with a degree, and she's a, a mom of five plus, <laughs> and, uh, and she's, uh, she's really a mom to so many other people, too. Like, they, they look after, they, they shepherd, they guide so many people, and, um, and they have a heart for excellence. So thank you, Bakers. You're amazing. The excellence team. James Beachler, I saw a group of the guys out in the back, like in the, in the alley behind the church, not in the front, like not in the, in the foyer, in the, in the bathroom, they do all that, but then they go around to the, to the back of the building, and they're picking up trash, and they're sweeping up stuff in a loading dock area. Like, who goes back there? Like, people don't usually go back there, but they have a heart for excellence in every area of God's house. We need to have a heart for excellence in every area of God's house. Even the places that are unseen, even the places that maybe don't seem the most important, we have to have a passion for excellence in this house. And so I wanted to, to bring today some qualities, some characteristics that are, that are important about my father's house. And there's so many things. I mean, this is a house of transformation. It's a house of worship, like we just saw. It's a house of prayer. Great job, shooties, by the way. Aren't they amazing? Did an excellent job. Joy, what a powerful testimony. An offering message. But there's just a few things that I want us to, to hone in on to, to come together. And it's really maybe a, a starting point. You know, we're, we're just past one year in this building. June 12th of last year was our grand opening. And so we're one year, one year into this El Cajon building. But, but there's some things that we need to remember about God's house. There's some things that we need to apply to our own lives. There's some things that we need to defend around God's house. And there's some things that we need to replicate so I want to I want to start off by saying my father's house is the place that you go when you need something. It's the place that you go to get what you need when you need it. My father's house is the place to go to get what you need need when you need it. And there is a distinction between a need and a want. It's not the place to go to get what you want whenever you want it. It's the place to go to get what you need. When you need it. I want to look at Matthew 7, 9 to 11, talking to parents. It says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who asked him? Good gifts. Not just any gift, but good gifts. The right gift. What you need when you need it. You see, a good father will not give his kids just whatever they ask for. A good father doesn't just give his kids whatever they ask for. If my, if my kids come to me and ask for broccoli, then I'm going to give it to them. It's never happened, but <laughs> it's one of the few green things that they will actually eat, though. And uh, that and green smoothies. They love green smoothies. But, but they, don't just, they don't just always ask for broccoli. Now, if, I, if they ask, they said, Dad, I'm really hungry. May I please have a piece of bread? Of course I'm going to give them a piece of bread. Now, and in fact, um, I, I mentioned this first service as well. If, if they actually use the word please, then, then I'm probably going to give them whatever they ask for anyway. If they're actually asking the right way, then if they ask for ice cream at 8 o'clock at night, but they say please, like, sure, here you go. If they only knew the power of please, man, they would get so much. They would get so much more than they're currently getting. And, uh, and they, do, they do every now and then. We're training them up, trying to, to, to use manners, please and thank you. But, but the truth is, if they ask for chocolate, you know, around their bedtime, not going to happen. 
for my sake, for our sake, for their sake, everyone's sake, you're not getting that much sugar right before you go to bed. There's, there's some things that when your kids ask for it, you should say no. No, you, you, you can't go to that party where there's people that are over 21, even though you're under 21, and, and there's no adult chaperones there. And, and like, there's some things that you should say no to. You should be a responsible parent. You should know what your kids are doing, where they're going. You should trust them as well. Train them up in the way they should go and trust them. You have to give your kids trust. You have to believe in them. And, and if they make mistakes, then you correct them as needed. But we have to give our kids space like our father has given us space. He's given us space to choose. We can choose to make the right decisions or we can choose to make poor decisions. And we're probably going to have to live with the consequences of either and of both. Because the truth is we all make good decisions and we all make bad decisions. But our father has given us grace and he's given us an opportunity to reconcile even when we make bad decisions. But the first thing that I want to... I bring today, the first characteristic quality of, of my father's house is that it's a house of bread, a house of bread. And this is one of the most basic principles of humanity. As whenever any human being is born, one of the first things they do is they cry out. Why? Because they're hungry. They need, they need nourishment. They need to be fed. And, and in the beginning of, of each of our lives, we, we need our mama so much because she is the source of our nourishment. She is the source of our food. The same is true for a person when, it, when, when he or she steps into a life with Jesus Christ. When they're born again, when they're, they're made new, the first thing that they need is to know that they can be provided for. That their heavenly father is their sustainer. Their heavenly father is their provider. That they have substance. They have food that they need to survive as a child of God. Just like we have food that we need to survive as a human being. And it's interesting that this is one of the first things that the devil comes after. Jesus went away into the wilderness, and he was, he was fasting for 40 days. And so he was hungry, and the, the first thing that the devil comes to tempt him with is he says, isn't it written that you can turn these stones into bread? But Jesus, Jesus responds back with the word. He says, I, I, I have food on the inside of me. I have food for my father's house. I have substance. I have something that goes beyond just what's in the natural. Like I don't need to command these stones to bread because my father is my provider. He is my sustainer. He had that connection. He had that relationship with his heavenly father. He knew that his father would always provide for him. And this is, this is not a trivial thing. Like it's something that for each of us, we all come to this place in our spiritual walk, you know, where, where maybe we feel like we're starving. Maybe we feel like we're alone, that, that we're not even sure how we're getting by. We're just going through the motions. And, and it's in that, that weakness, in that time that the devil will often come in and he will tempt us. He will try to lead us away. He will, he will ask us to question, well, well, who is your provider? Why are you in this place of lack? Why do you feel like you're starving? And we always have to go back to the word. And Jesus taught us when he taught his disciples to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. That every day God knows what we need. And he's willing. He's a good, good father. He wants to give us what we need when we ask him. We just got to know who to ask. We just got to know who to go to. We need to, we need to go to God in prayer. Whatever we're needing, whatever we're believing for. If we're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually starving then we need to know where to go. So where do we go? We go to our Father's house. 
There's a story in the Bible, a, a parable that Jesus shares about the prodigal son. And, and most of us have probably heard the story that, that there's a son and he, he wants his inheritance before his father has died. He wants to take it now. He has that, that now mentality. He has that me mentality. Sound familiar in this generation? It's all about me. It's all about want. I want it now. Not delayed gratification, gratification right now, immediate gratification. And so in this story, the prodigal son, he goes away, he takes his, his inheritance, and he, and he spends it wildly. And then uh, once he's, he's run out of his money, and, it, and the Bible actually says around the same time that his money runs out, there's a great famine in that land. And so there's, there's lack, there's one, and he, he is out of money because he's spent it lavishly. And so he, he, all the friends, quote unquote, that he had, they're, they're all gone. They're all disappeared. So all that's left for him to do is, is feed some pigs in a field. And, and I want to pick up the parable at this point in Luke 15, 17 to 24. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned. Against both heaven and you, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And you can underline or highlight verse 23. Watch this. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. There's a great famine in the land all around. They are without food. They are without substance. And the first thing the father does when his son comes home is, is give of one of the most valuable things that there could be in this time of famine. It's a time of famine, and he's killing the fatted calf in celebration of his son coming home. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And I love the end of this story. So the party began. If you're at the marriage getaway, you know Awaken Church knows how to party. We like to have a good party. We like to have fun. We like to celebrate. And have you ever been to a party that doesn't have food? Lame. Nobody sticks around very long at a party that doesn't have food. There's got to be food for there to be a celebration. The son knew in his, in his lowest state, he's, he's feeding pigs. And this is like the most unclean job that, that an Israelite, a Hebrew could have. Pigs were an unclean animal. And so he's feeding slop to the pigs and he desired what they were even eating. But nobody would give him even that. And so he realized, he came to his senses has anybody ever been in a place where you've, you've come to your senses? You, you know that the place that you're at is not good. You know that the place that you're at is the worst possible place you can be in. You know the place that you're at, you're not being fed. You're not being improved. Your life is not getting better. I wonder in those places, in those times, and every single one of us have them from time to time, do we remember where to go to get fed? The son remembered there's food in my father's house. Everything else was stripped away. He was, he was left with just, just a core, basic survival principle. And he realized there's food 
in my father's house. The son knew it. The son knew, but the father followed through. Your father, our father, my father, is ready to follow through for you. Whenever you're stripped down to your just core, basic, survival state, he's ready to follow through for you. Do you know where to go? Do you know where to go to find food? There's other people out there who don't know. There's people out there. I mean, I'm kind of preaching to the crier right now because you're in my father's house. But there's people out there who don't know about the food in their father's house. And it's our job to go out and tell them. It's our job to go out and show them. The father is waiting. The father is in his house. The father knew that it wasn't his job to go in and, and rescue his son out of the mud. His son needed to come to his senses. His son needed to realize, people need to realize who their father is. Our job is not to, to make people realize who their father is. We can't, actually. We can't change a person's heart. We can, we can model for them like my dad did. We can, we can be a good example. We can be a light. We can, we can show them the way to our father's house, but we can't change their heart. None of us can save anyone, but we can be a picture. We can be a model. We can be an invitation to those around us. Are we that invitation? God always follows through on his word. His house is a place of feasting. His house is a place of celebration. His house is a place of party. When even one person repents and comes to their father, there's a party in heaven. It says the angels celebrate. And there ain't no party like an angel party. I want to be a part of that party. Anybody else want to be a part of that party? You are a part of that party. Every time you give your tithes, every time you, you pick up trash, every time you serve in kids' church like the Medinas, every time that you are participating, you're volunteering in the house, every time you're helping to park cars, every time you serve his house, you're serving his people. You're serving the least of these. You are a part of the party. In fact, you're the reason why we can party. People who gave to build this house are the reason why we can have parties here where we can celebrate. We love giving gifts. We love partying. We love bringing our tithes. We love participating in vision builders, making a faith commitment. Why? So we can have more places to party. So everybody in San Diego, Salt Lake City, Boise can have a place to party. Maybe right now there's not a waking church that's on, on the bus route. Maybe you don't have a, a car to be able to get, to get to a house. Maybe there's some people out there that, that haven't found their father's house yet. Well, as we expand our territory, as we take ground, as we build an awakened Santee, as we build an awakened La Mesa, we make it easier for people to find a place to party. We make it easier for people to find a house of bread. In the Old Testament, tithes were literally food that was brought into the sword house. So, so there were people that, that who were lost, who were broken, could come in and have something to eat. So the widows and the orphans could be looked after. In the New Testament, it's more figurative. We don't, we don't bring in our crops necessarily, although some people have. It was a, there was a guy in our church who had an orange orchard. He brought us this big basket of oranges, and it was amazing. Like, we, we love that, too. But, but in most of the senses, in most of the times, our tithes are our finances that we bring in. But we still bring it in a figurative sense for food. And, and how do I know that? If we look at the story of the woman at the well, in the end of it, John 4, 31 to 34, 
says this, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. There's an unfinished work that each of us has a responsibility to pick up and finish. God has given each of us an assignment or assignments. He's given us the opportunity in our time on this planet to be a difference, to help people, to to give of our tithes, to give of our time, to, to bring offerings so that there can be food in his house, spiritual food, Food that, 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 as Jesus said in this encounter with the woman, he said, I am living water. If you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. In another place, he says, I am the bread of life. If you eat from me, if you partake of the food that I have for you, then you'll live an everlasting and eternal life. There's spiritual food, there's spiritual water that's available in his house. My father's house is a house of bread. It's also a house of belief. A house of belief. In John 4, right after that, that story of the woman of the well, John 4, 46 to 53, as he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned water into wine. There was a government official in a nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus said to him, go back home. Your son will live. And you can highlight this next part. And the man believed. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Faith, faith is believing in Jesus without proof. Faith is believing in Jesus without evidence, without a miracle, without the signs, without the wonders. It's believing in your heart when you can't even see the realization yet of what his power, what his capability is. You see, Jesus didn't go with the man to the house to heal his son because if he had done that, then the man and his household would have believed because they saw. They would have believed because of the miracle. They would have believed because of the sign. But as it was, Jesus said, at his word, your son is healed. And the man believed. That's faith. When you can believe at the word of Jesus, not because of the miracle, not because of the sign, not because of what you've seen in the natural, but but you believe in your heart. You believe with faith that Jesus' word is true. Then you can start to understand the power of faith. Then you can start to understand. And watch this. Nobody in that household ever met Jesus. It doesn't say that anywhere or anybody else in that household ever had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus didn't pray for them. We know that the miracle happened. We know that the boy was healed. But it was at the testimony of the father that everybody believed. It was because the father believed with faith that the boy was healed. And then everybody in that household was the recipient of the blessing. Everybody in that household began to believe because of the testimony. Our testimony is so important. 
our decision to follow after God, our decision to pursue God, and especially as a father. Stand up, Shane, Shane Seinfeld, mighty man. This is an amazing father in our house. He's got his kids with him right now. He brought his son to men's prayer for the first time last Tuesday. A powerful father. Because of your decision to pursue God, because your decision to believe in Jesus, your whole household is covered. You are a mighty man. You're a mighty father. God is using you in powerful ways right now, but he's, he's using you in powerful ways, and your kids and generations after you are going to be blessed because of your decision. Come on, give it up for Shane, mighty man. My father's house is a house of belief, and it's also a house of blessing. It's a house of blessing. Many of us, who's heard the Carrie Job song, The Blessing? How good is that? What a powerful song. She in Elevation Worship, I think uh, Cody Barnes, they, they sang this song. And, uh, and it's, it's based out of Numbers 6, 24 to 26. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Really, when, when, when they brought this song on a, on a Sunday worship, they were just echoing back what the Father had already told them. They were echoing back, and they, they put it to amazing, in an amazing arrangement, you know, with the music and, and the combination of, of his words and worship just brought about this, this amazing song. And it goes on to say that, that you will receive the blessing, your children and your children's children generation. This, this song resonates with me. It resonates with so many people because it, it speaks to the fact that God wants to bless us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. And not just for me, not just for my parents, but for my kids, for my grandkids, for generations after me. God still wants to bless us. Like we, we are, are, are built to carry a generational blessing. The devil tries to come in and bring generational curses. But we are a church that believes we have the power to break generational curses. That even if our parents don't, don't train us up the right way, we have a Father in heaven who loves us. He wants to continually pour out blessing on us. You are not, you are not destined, you are not designed to do what your grandparents or your, your parents did. You don't have to make the same mistakes. You can learn from their mistakes. You can learn from what they've done that's right also. But, but if you're saying, I, I, I don't agree with the fact that just because my grandfather had cancer and my dad had cancer that I'm going to get cancer. I'm drawing a line right now. I'm saying this far and no farther. I don't have to, I don't have to operate in, in fear or anxiety because my mother did or my grandmother did. I don't have to agree with that script over my family line. That I am a difference maker. I am a change agent. I have the power from my Father in heaven to, to reverse the curse. To stop the generational curse and start a generational blessing. For my kids, for my grandkids, the legacy that we're going to leave. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow his ways. We're going to be a blessing. We've been blessed by God. We've been blessed under heaven. We're going to continue that. We're going to operate in that. The blessing resonates. Every generation is responsible for carrying on the blessing. Carrie Job sang that song, The Blessing, but a generation before her, people were singing, Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. No. 
Every generation has a song or many songs that, that are a representation, they're an echo of what the Father is blessing you with. What is the Father blessing you with right now? What's the song in your heart? What's the mission, the assignment that God has given to you? Maybe he's given it to nobody else. There's times where, where people are called to come together. We're called to come together in this house of worship, in, in my Father's house, to be a blessing. Generations before, people were singing Father Abraham. Paul wrote in Galatians 3.8.9, What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, that's us, right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. We are all recipients. And Paul wrote those words because generations before him, Abraham obeyed. Genesis twenty two eighteen, And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you, Abraham, have obeyed me. If we want to be recipients of his blessing, we do it because of our father Abraham, the father of our faith. We have that Abrahamic blessing, at least the opportunity to receive it. Once we've picked up that blessing, then it's our responsibility to carry it on. How do we do that? It's very simple, just like Abraham, obey. We obey our heavenly father. We obey our father God. We know that, that we, we live under a house of blessing because of Abraham. Before there was even a house, David built a temple to the Lord and, and people could come there and get blessed. Moses built a tabernacle to the Lord and people could come there and meet with God and be blessed. But before there was a temple, before there was a tabernacle, before there was awakened church, before there was any church building, the physical structure, Abraham was blessed from his father because he obeyed, because he walked with God. We're called to receive blessing, we're called to be a blessing. Psalm 118, 26, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And today I have a, a blessing for fathers. This is, this is applicable really to everybody, but specifically for fathers. This is a poem titled, The Years of My Life. If I walk all the years of my life with my father, then I'll walk all the years of my life with his bride. If I walk all the years of my life with his bride, then I'll walk all the years of my life with my bride. If I walk all the years of my life with my bride, then I'll walk all the years of my life with my children. If I walk all the years of my life with my children, then I'll walk all the years of my life with his blessing. If I walk all the years of my life with his blessing, then all the years of my life, I'll help others walk with my father. Abraham walked with God. Abraham walked with his father, and all the nations of the earth were blessed and are being blessed because of him. The Bible says that the blessing of Abraham is still being added up. Because of Abraham's obedience, the people that are coming into a relationship with my father are still being counted. His blessing is still being piled up on top one, on top of the other, generation on top of generation. It's still being added up until, he, until we all meet with Jesus in heaven. They'll still be counting Abraham's blessing. They'll still be adding up all of the, the significance, all of the impact that he made because of one father's obedience. Your blessing is still being count counted up. Your blessing 
your generational blessing. Generations after you're gone, people are going to be receiving blessing, the blessing of Abraham because of your influence, because of your impact. It's, until, until Jesus comes back, splits the, the sky, and we're all parting in heaven, people are still going to be coming into the kingdom of heaven because of you, because of your influence, because of your obedience, because you've done what God has called you to do. You have that type of impact. You have that type of blessing, and that's worth defending. The last quality I want to share today is that my father's house is a house to protect, a house to protect. In this country, in this time, my father's house is, is coming under attack like it's never been under attack in, in the history of this nation. The enemy is, is coming like a flood against his house. It's, it's much less popular to be a Christian. It's, it's much, le, much less common to be a Christian in this day and age than, than the days of our parents or our grandparents before us. Now, it's not unique in this world. For 2,000 years, the church has, of Jesus Christ has, has undergone persecution. And in other countries, it, they've been battling a lot harder than, than we ever have, and possibly a lot harder than we ever will, to defend to protect the Father's house. Sometimes they have to do it underground because the government will execute them for proclaiming the name of Jesus. The, gov the government will put them in jail for just having a Bible. But the level of persecution in, in this country is increasing. And the more the persecution increases, the more that we have to be, we have to hold true to our convictions. We have to have courage. We have to defend this house. We have to protect this house. When I, when I uh, received a commission as an officer in the United States Air Force, I swore an oath under God to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If we in the military can swear an oath to defend and protect the Constitution, how much more should we be swearing to support and defend the Word of God against all enemies, foreign and domestic? We have to protect his house. We have to protect the word. We have to have conviction. We have to have a passion. We have to have a zeal just like Jesus did. He went into the temple. He made a whip, and he drove out people who were misusing his father's house, people who were using it for personal gain, people who were taking advantage of others. We have to protect his house. We have to have that courage. You might not know this, but, but my uncle is the biggest giver to my father's house. In fact, it's really our uncle, Uncle Sam. <laughs> uncle Sam is the biggest giver to the house of God indirectly because our uncle, when we give of our tithes and offerings, when we give to nonprofit organizations that have a 501c3, Uncle Sam gives back to us. And so indirectly, Uncle Sam is by far the biggest giver to the house of God in the world. In the world, our uncle, the U.S. government is giving more money into the house of God or putting more money back into the pockets of people who do so that we can give again. I wonder what would happen. What would happen if some of the immoral, corrupt politicians got what they wanted and the 501c3 status of the church was removed? If all of a sudden you didn't get that tax-free or that, that, that tax rebate for giving to nonprofits, and specifically this house, my father's house. I wonder if, if, if people would still give. In this house, we will. It doesn't matter if 501c3 or no 501c3. 
For me and my house, we're called to serve the Lord. We're called to bring our tithes and offerings, regardless of what Caesar does with his portion. But one thing I know for sure is that if that happened, if that, that tax-exempt status was removed from the church, then the blessing and favor of heaven would be removed from this country also. We've existed for, for 250 years under the blessing, the covering of heaven because, because our government recognizes the, the benefit of pouring in to my father's house, of protecting my father's house. People have tried to remove that and people will try again. Are we willing to stand up and protect that? Are we willing to stand up and defend our country against ourselves if need be? Against people that would try and push out the principles of God. We have to have an understanding that it's every generation's responsibility to protect the house of God. Why? Because this is a house of bread. It's a house of belief. It's a house of blessing. It's a house where the lost are found. It's a house where lives are transformed, where people are changed from death to life. Why don't we stand to our feet as we come to a close? My father's house is a place where the lost are found. It's a place where people find Jesus. In fact, it was the very first place that Jesus was found. His parents lost him. Mary and Joseph, as they were coming back from Jerusalem, they had, they had lost Jesus. They thought he was with somebody else, and, and they realized that he wasn't there. And so they went back, and for three days, they searched for him. And where did they find him? In his father's house. And he says... It says in Luke 2, 48 to 50, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Verse 49, Jesus says, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. He said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Do we understand do we understand that this is a house of bread? Do we understand that this is a house of belief? Do we understand that this is a house of blessing? Do we understand that this is a house where the lost are found, where people get what they need exactly when they need it? What do they need more than anything else? What do we need more than anything else? We need to find Jesus. For each and every one of us, the most important decision that we'll ever make is a decision to believe in Jesus. So right here, right now, if we can all bow our heads, close our eyes, if there's anybody here today and you haven't made that decision out of a belief in your heart to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're looking for the truth, he is the truth. If you're looking for life, he is the life. And nobody can come into a relationship with our Father, with my Father, except through Him. So if that's you today, and you know that you need to be found, and you know that you need to find Jesus, and you believe that this is the place, this is the time, and this is exactly what you need, then I'd love to pray with you. If that's you right here, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift up your hand? I'd love to pray with you. Who are those ones? You know that you need to be found. See that hand, God bless you, so proud of you. God bless you, I see that hand back there. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else today? God bless you. 
God bless you back there. God bless you on the side. God bless you right down here in the front. So proud of you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Maybe you feel like you're starving. Maybe you feel like you're alone. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. You've been searching, and somehow, some way, you found your, your way here into my Father's house. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with belief today. If that's you, just lift up your hand. God, I thank you for belief coming in. Thank you for that hand. Maybe you've, maybe you've found it hard to receive a blessing. Maybe, maybe you feel like you don't deserve a blessing. If that's you, lift up your hand today. God, I thank you for the blessing being poured out. I thank you for these hands being lifted up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Over on the side. God bless you. What is it that you need above all else? Can you believe today? If you can believe, then all you have to do is ask. Why don't we do this? Let's, let's say these words. Everybody pray this prayer. Just repeat after me, especially if you lifted up your hand. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for making your house a place where I can come and repent of my sins and find Jesus. Today I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that I will live out my life in a way that honors him. I thank you for his sacrifice. I thank you for giving me exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.